0: Welcome to the weight loss for busy physicians podcast. I'm your host master certified life and weight loss coach Katrina Ubell MD. This is the podcast where busy doctors like you come to learn how to lose weight for the last time by harnessing the power of your mind. If you're looking to overcome your stress eating and exhaustion and move into freedom around food, you're in the right place. my friend, I am so glad you're here today. I have a really fun episode that's a little outside of the norm from what I typically do. But I think you're really going to like it. And if it's not something that applies to you, it probably applies to someone you know, or someone you love. (laughs) So I am bringing on today, my friend, and colleague really, Nadina Kojikaru. She's a veterinarian, a small animal vet, and she's also a weight loss coach for veterinarians. And so big shout out to our veterinarians. Hello, hello. I know you're fans of this podcast. I know you love Nadina as well. Nadina is just an amazing human being. She's from Romania. And then several years ago, she and her family just up and left and went to Sweden. And then she had to learn Swedish and is a practicing veterinarian in Sweden. And she also speaks English. I mean. I'm telling you, I'm jealous. That's really, really awesome. But the reason I wanted to bring her on today is I was on her podcast a little while ago, and she shared with me afterward that a problem that she sees in her office, like all the time, <laughs> is that people have overweight pets. And the main reason the pets are overweight is because the humans who own them or their pet parents. I mean, come on, I'm my dog's mom. Who's Who are we kidding? <laughs> but that the humans in charge of the animals emotionally overfeed them. I never thought of this, but it made perfect sense. I mean, sure, if you have a toddler who's dropping food all over the floor, then that could contribute to it too. But assuming that you don't have that going on, many pets who struggle with being overweight are overweight because their humans think that they need more food than they do, read into their facial expressions and their body language as the dogs or cats or other animals having more (laughs) complex emotions as you'll hear in the episode than they probably do. And also this idea that when we are no longer emotionally eating ourselves, we sometimes then offer more food to the pet. It's kind of like, well, if I can't emotionally eat, there's no reason you should suffer (laughs) Fluffy or Fido or whoever, right? Spot. (laughs) And so I just literally never thought about this, but she deals with this all the time in her small animal veterinary practice. And so she offered to come on the podcast to talk to people about it because it really is a big deal. It really negatively impacts the quality of life of the animal. And, you know, veterinarians are such good people. They just absolutely love animals and want to help animals and the humans that love them. Right. And I thought, you know, that is a good idea. Then we had one of our master's live events. And we had some breakout sessions. And so I was leading one of the breakout sessions. And it just popped into my mind that Nadina had suggested this. And I said, Yeah, you know, there's there's this person I think I want to bring on to the podcast. And she wants to talk about emotionally overfeeding your pet and it's like everyone's ears perked up, their eyes widened, they're like, "Yes, bring her on. That sounds amazing." Like everybody kind of resonated with this idea of how sort of fun it can feel to excessively treat your pet and the issues that result from that. So, I brought on Adina. She is just such a delight. I've known her now for several years. I just think she's a lovely, lovely and amazing human being. I know you will too. And so, have a listen to All that she has to say about pets and feeding and how, you know, giving them too much food is not loving them, just like us feeding ourselves too much is not loving ourselves either. I just think it's so interesting. And I can't wait for you to share in this conversation. So please enjoy my conversation with Nadina Kojikaru. Nadina, I'm so happy you're here. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So like you're all the way in Sweden right now. Yes. So fun, right? I love it. So good. Okay. So we've known each other for several years now. And I remember you coming up to me very early on and saying, you know, I want to do what you do and I want to do it for veterinarians. And yep. I was like, amazing, because I have a ton of veterinarians who listen to my podcast. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they're yeah. really not happy that they can't work with me. So yes, please do that. So hello to all the veterinarians out there. We're, hello, we're hello. waving. Hello, hello. <laughs> yes, we are waving. And and so yeah. that is who you serve now. But I would love for you to just give us a little bit more information about you and um whatever you'd like to share. Just introduce us to you.
1: Yes. So um I am Nadina Kozokaru. Almost all people. Can't say my last name if they are not Romanian so, uh, <laughs> or from Romania, so it's it's good, whatever you are calling me. And I am coaching uh, veterinarians on uh, weight loss. I have a podcast, Weight Loss for Small Animal v- uh, Veterinarians podcast. Uh, I am a small animal veterinarian myself. I am born and raised in Romania, moved to Sweden to practice veterinary medicine 11 years ago, and I became a coach. With the mission to become Katrina for Vets. <laughs> <So, laughs> we, we need that.
0: We need that. Yeah. We need that.
1: We, I certified in 2018. I was uh, at the in-person event in Dallas. Met you in person there. I was stalking you already like, oh, I'm the vet from Sweetheart stalking you okay, <laughs> All I your bet. webinars. <laughs> I love connecting with uh, other vets. I love coaching them because my main goal all the time is for our pets to feel better. I've been told that I'm an amazing veterinarian. So I own that. And that's why I still work as a veterinarian because I still love this job. Uh, I uh, I love this profession. I love connecting with the pets, with the pet owners. And I think my main goal is always, if we have veterinarians who can manage their minds about their lives, then more pets will get served at the highest level. Because if our vets are struggling, then they can't be the best version of themselves in their relationship with the pets. And more than that, within their relationship with the pet owners.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and veterinary, so veterinarians are suffering from burnout at super high risk yes. too. Like there's a lot of yeah. parallels between, yes. you know, physicians for human bodies and physicians <laughs> for, for animal bodies, right? I mean, I, I think there's some things that are really unique that are different, but veterinarians are really struggling. I feel like when I, th- as a kid, it was always just like, oh, would want to be fun to be a veterinarian, just like be around cute animals all day. It's a hard hard job right? Yes, it, it's it's a really
1: hard job and uh, we are I feel that uh, we have all those studies you know the CDC study about veterinarian suicide and those high rates of suicide and the um, my my people are really struggling with uh, with burnout with uh, suicide ideation and all those things and that's a real problem in this in this profession and I think well, we need all the help that we, we can for supporting our colleagues to stay in the profession and to feel great doing that that profession. That is a call. I think we relate so much with uh, pediatricians because we have the, uh, you know, we have that interface. We have like the pet owners or the parents mm-hmm. or the yep. caregivers that that mm-hmm. have to be on
0: board. Um, you know, games and... uh, That actually makes a lot of sense, right? Because like a baby can't tell you what's wrong. You have to figure it out in other ways. The same thing with an animal. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh,
1: Fortunately, kids start to speak at some point. Right. Eventually. (laughs) Eventually. (laughs) So they can express themselves with uh, words as well. Um, (laughs) But uh, we have uh, that connection, you know, even, even thinking about, oh, how how the medicines are given. Oh, you have to calculate like the body weight.
0: Yeah, and right. The dosages and things.
1: Yeah. The absolutely. dosages and things. So, uh, it's a fun connection to, mm-hmm. uh, to human doctors. Yeah. yeah.
0: And similarly, we often, some of us pet owners treat our pets like they are our children. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, um, it's, I always say uh, my, my first dog was like my first child. I mean literally I yeah. loved her like my kid yes. before I had kids. Yeah. So.
1: Yes, exactly. It's uh I think even uh when we have kids and uh I don't have kids personally, but my mom told me <laughs> even if she loves us a lot, <laughs> all her three kids, <laughs> uh, you know, her pets were always with her so Mm -hmm. she developed that connection you know we left at some point (laughs) right Uh, uh, so uh, what what she had behind were the pets Mm -hmm. who were with her all the time supporting her giving her comfort Uh, you know all all those uh, pets are important pets pets are really really important for our mental well-being for our happiness for our oxytocin, you know, uh, uh, connection-bounding animal or creature. Right. Uh, so they are really, really important. And sometimes we think that we love them and we love them too much, giving them too much food.
0: Right. So that's what I, when you proposed this topic, I was like, absolutely, you need to come on and talk to us about this. Because when you describe this to me, and I'll ask you to talk about it here in just a minute, it was I was like, Oh, yeah, like, I'd never thought of it. But it makes so much sense. I have definitely seen not often, but I have seen sometimes like even as a pediatrician, I can remember one family in particular, where the mother was like very restrictive with her own eating, and then was overfeeding her child. And it was like, it, over the course of time, it really be, it became like an obvious pattern, right? And so then when you were saying, yeah, people start getting their eating under control themselves, but they still like, they're not overeating themselves, but they're overfeeding their pet. I was like, Oh, my gosh, tell me more. I'm sure there are people who are doing this. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's, of course, not good for the pets as well. So, so tell us what you see as a veterinarian, like, what are the patterns?
1: Yes. So I've seen this pattern over and over again, you know, that people are emotionally overfeeding their pets. I have to make um, a little little note that they, they, there are people who are emotionally underfeeding their pets as well. Okay. But that is like a small amount of, of the people. But the vast majority of, of the people are emotionally overfeeding their pets. What, what does that mean is... For the first one, they don't recognize that the pets are overweight. They don't see it. Mm-hmm. And even if they see that, if their emotions or if, if their first interaction with the vet team is not so successful, for instance, if they feel called out or, uh, or if they feel shamed, or if they feel like attacked by the vet team, you know, when the veterinarian or the vet, some, somebody in the vet team, because it might be a vet technician or a vet mm-hmm. nurse or whatever, points out at them that the pet is overweight or the pet needs to lose weight, then f- that interaction can feel really triggering for them. Why? Because we have this internalized shame, body shame as humans, because we are, we know that we are floating in an ocean of discriminating fat bodies, that we have bad thoughts about our bodies. And we project that internalized shame to our beloved pets. Like my pets have been shamed, you know, even if the pets can't be shamed, you know, (laughs) that's uh, not feeling shame. Yeah. Pets doesn't feel shame. They uh, they are mimicking it. You know they are they are websites. You know with uh, pets uh, uh, having shamed um, you know or a shame uh, face. But that is that is a learned behavior. So we have to to put it out there as it is. (laughs) They can feel fear. They can feel uh, anger. They can feel anxiety. But they don't feel shame. They don't feel complex emotions uh, as we do. So when our emotions come. As, as a pet owners come into, into the place, we have to understand how to approach that problem and how to involve the vet team in our team if we want that pet to, to be helped to lose weight. And I've seen all kinds of combinations, you know, of people who are really slim or um, and have overweight pets there if they if they lost their weight or if they maintain their weight through a really restrictive diet with willpower and white knuckling and restricting uh, themselves and their bodies and then they have this thought because we know thoughts create emotions and the emotions will drive our actions and if we feel or, re- or we think on repeat that oh, at least he or she, or at least
0: they can eat what they want, you know? Mm, right. Like there's no consequences if the pet pet eats whatever they want, which like exactly. as dogs, they always want. <laughs> yes, <laughs> There's exactly. no dog that doesn't want at 100% of the time, right? Yeah.
1: Yes. So that thought that, oh, at least they can eat whatever they want, uh, that shows a little bit of their internalized shame or their internalized struggle with uh, with their own weight or the way they think they have to eat, that is a problem uh, for because or or created generated by the diet industry and the way uh, people were educated that weight loss happens. And it's another another point to take into consideration is that. People have tried and failed to lose weight themselves multiple times. So at some point they say, what's the point with all of that? I've been yo-yoing all my life. So thank God for your book that, you know, uh, that addresses a permanent weight loss with brain-based uh, solutions for humans, because that puts out in, in the open that there are solutions for permanent weight loss without restricting ourselves, without restricting our bodies. And it's a, it's a shame that we as humans experience that, um, that restriction and that scarcity mentality around our food and then overcompensate uh, through overfeeding the pets. Or if uh, the pet owner is overweight and they, they just want a body, on on the journey and they are eating together. They are sharing everything. They are really lonely. The pet might be the only creature on this planet who doesn't judge their bodies. Mm -hmm. And I use this analogy with my uh, weight loss clients, with my veterinarians that try to see your body through the eyes of your pet, because they don't care how your body looks like. And we know that permanent weight loss has to have the roots in in love and body, body love and acceptance of of our bodies where they are at that point, and uh, that is a useful tool to use to to see yourself through your pet's eyes because they will come and wiggle their their tails even if you are overweight, so they feel a a bond with their pets as humans see food as comfort and try to give the same comfort to to their pets and try to express their love through food because that is another uh, thing that we are raised and educated to believe. Food is love. That is another thought error that we have to address when uh, when we discuss weight loss in, in pets as well. Because I think even I, as a new veterinarian, I have stepped on some toes, you know, (laughs) uh, in the beginning. When addressing this problem, not having the weight loss um, uh, coaching tools that I currently have, because this is a really sensitive problem to address. It creates that, you know, stress response or trauma response in our bodies. When when somebody is told uh, your pet is overweight... That triggers a lot of uh, a lot of uh, thoughts and emotions uh, that we feel in our bodies. some Some of of uh, the pet owners or some of us, even even veterinarians, I, I even have veterinarians who, uh, who who totally said, "Oh my God, I'm totally doing that." <laughs> you know
0: <laughs> Yeah,
1: I'm sure uh, sure. So those responses, you know, fight, flight, freeze, or phone, depending on how our nervous systems are wired. Those are normal reactions. I think it's it's good to normalize that we might feel those things in our bodies when a veterinarian or a veterinarian professional will approach this problem with us, and to be prepared that we might feel some buzz in our bodies, and that is that is just just the response um, um, depending on how our nervous system is wired and. It, nothing has gone wrong is nothing wrong with you is nothing wrong with their words either It's just putting into the open and into the light a problem so mm-hmm. after acknowledging that because it has to be done you know with tlc tender <laughs> lemon here
0: yeah um
1: because uh otherwise we will lose we as as veterinary professionals we will lose an important part of the team from the situation. And I think for me as a veterinarian, especially after learning the coaching tools that I currently have, uh, I became one of the best in in addressing this problem in a gentle way. Mm -hmm. And those conversations are usually one of the longest conversations that I had with the pet owners. Mm -hmm. And um, it's... I have to say that I'm fortunate to work in a clinic and we have abundant time with our with our appointments which it's not the case for for other veterinarians who have like 10 minutes or 15 minutes appointments you cannot have this conversation with gentleness in 10 or 15 minutes you yeah. usually <laughs> drop the bomb <laughs> and uh, leave the people go or, you know, go in into that own shaming as a vet professional, you can't be the best communicator of what you want to reach because we all have the same goal. We see the pets, we see their suffering and being severely overweight or overweight is suffering for the pet, mm-hmm. even if they wiggle their tails, even if they want those traits their bodies are
0: not feeling great. Mm-hmm. So, so, and that's I, really right. As, as a veterinarian who really loves animals, what you're also yeah. seeing is the long-term effects. I mean, they're mammals just like we are, right? Pets can get, uh, oh, I mean, I guess we could be, I don't know, do people overfeed like snakes and birds and hamsters. And yes. but, okay, so maybe yeah, they're not yeah. mammals, but <laughs> some of them, but, yes, yes. you know, having issues like, you know, disease, preventable diseases when they're older, Yes, diabetes yeah. or type two diabetes
1: mm-hmm. or, uh, or joint problems or uh, cardiac issues and, uh, and so on and so on. And they are not actually happy. You know, when you see The moment you are aware and if you are looking around and you see those those overweight pets going, you know, not moving themselves, going after the pet owner, uh, dragging their feet. Right.
0: (laughs) Being really slow when they walk. Yeah. (laughs) Yes.
1: Being really slow on their walk. They are not they are not feeling great in their bodies. They are not fulfilling their needs. As a species, and uh, we tend to forget as humans that is in our responsibility to try to fulfill as much as possible from, or as many as possible from that pet's specific needs, even if uh, the pet is domesticated. So mm-hmm. they need supervision, they need attention, they need um, to to play they need to if we are talking about cats they have to hunt things, even if they are hunting something uh, a toy around the house or to to scratch things those are natural behaviors that need to be addressed and uh, fulfilled for that creature to feel at at, at at its best and the same with dogs they they need to move they need to play they need to run so mm-hmm. um it's uh it's important to recognize the problem and if you are in that position when you see that your vet is overweight and you want to address the problem, I think it's really important to talk to your uh, vet provider and to inform them ahead of time. I come to you for help. I need help with my pet losing weight. I am aware that my pet is overweight. I don't need to hear
0: it one more time. Right. Right. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> but you're looking uh, for solutions at this visit, not to be exactly. told what the problem is. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And then to to just, as you said, Katrina, in, in the early podcast, you You are a weight loss coach for for doctors, but you are not their doctor, you know. And uh, I'm a veterinarian and I am a weight loss coach, uh, but I am not their veterinarian. So I think it's really important. And I teach people how to connect, how to filter, which vet teams are matching with their specific uh, needs, wants, desires, or communication styles, because sometimes it's just a communication style problem or a, a mismatch there, mm-hmm. or which vet professional or which uh, vet um, nurse or vet tech have the time and the curiosity and willingness to help me on this on this journey. Because it's a it's the same as w- losing weight for us. It it can be quite lonely. And it Mm -hmm. can be quite hard. And it's good to have somebody in your team, Mm -hmm. to have somebody to just send an email. I I encourage my weight loss patients. And we have um, really amazing vet vet techs in the clinic where I work. And they take over this this, uh, communication after they are uh, they talk with us with the vets first. Then they they take over this communication and they are they are supporting the the pet owners on on this way because it's hard to not even open the door to what they should eat. You know, it's mm. it's a jungle out there. Mm. Every time I work as a vet, I work currently two days every week uh, as a as a veterinarian. Every day I learn about a new food. (laughs) I'm not
0: kidding. At least one. Like a pet food or like treat or something like that? Oh, okay. Because they're just pumping out new stuff all the time. There's so many, (laughs) so many options. And it's really hard. I find like, you know, they have taught us how to read labels on human mm -hmm. food, right? So I know what I'm looking for, but I have found often looking at, at least in the U S like what is listed on the back of like treats or things like that. Like, I don't know what to make of that information. Like, is this mm-hmm. good? Is this bad? You know, all of them say it's great for you, but you know, mm-hmm. same in America, yeah. right? You know, it's like mm-hmm. amazing yeah. nice thing for you and it's not. You know? Yes. And, and to, to talk about
1: labeling, if it's not a veterinary approved diet, which is a uh, standard and they, they are, Obliged, or they are forced by the law to to write all the ingredients exactly as they are. The rest of the foods, if they are saying okay, it contains, let's say, turkey and uh, and uh, pumpkin and rice. Mm-hmm. The only rule to write on the package: pumpkin, turkey, and rice is to have at least four percent. Turkey, 4% rice, 4% turkey in that container. Okay, so it's mostly in that rice, food. Then. Yeah. Or it you might know. be, but we don't know. It, exactly. We okay. don't know. What is the rest? You know, oh, um, animal proteins. You, you can read it on the label, you know, what yeah. kind of animal protein. Right, right. What, Back what the NMF that could be NNM,
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Exactly.
1: The only things that are controlled and verified are those who are like veterinary diets. Okay. that's why they are more expensive or maybe are higher quality, with, right? Yeah. Yes. Higher qual- quality. And uh, so it's, it's not to, to promote because I have no, you know, connection yeah. with any, any food uh, company, but I know that all those diets are based on tens of years of intense research and studies mm-hmm. done by veterinarians, uh, behaviorists, nutritionists, uh, and biologists and, uh, uh, people who are really dedicated to to research what's the best for for the pets, and sometimes we as a, veterina- as a veterinarian, as veterinarians, sometimes we are not listening to the pet owners either because sometimes we have to be open to see what's what's the situation in that ho- house. You know, mm-hmm. what is the pet owner or the pet? able to do in that Mm. situation they might not like the food they might not it's a complex thing you know Uh, they might get itchy they might they uh, their stools might might get banana if if they eat uh, something like that so so
0: if you really abruptly change their diet it can create other problems and that's again why you need that support so you can call and say yeah we tried that thing it didn't work exactly next yeah okay yes yes yeah so it's important to find um a vet team
1: that is on board with uh, uh, and has a communication style that you love, uh, mm-hmm. where you can you can communicate with them, and it doesn't take that long. Sometimes uh, I offer my uh, my uh, clients to to just send an email, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. weekly with the day with the weight and uh, what's happening and how all those things, mm-hmm. and um, to. As a pet owner, it's important to know that you have to be patient as with any weight loss process. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, not going to be fixed the, in a week, yeah. No, there is no bulletproof solution, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Not for humans, not for um, pets either. So what works for my cat or your dog it will not work for uh, for other dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, and even we as veterinarian. Veterinarians have a preference for a specific food that might work. Um, we have to be open to, to the idea that that specific pet might need something else mm-hmm. and what is the best to, uh, for, for that specific pet to try or the pet owner. So imagine that it will take time. You have to be open to think about this journey with, um, wonder, curiosity, a little bit of giddiness, because I promise you on, on the other side, when, when you will see how good the pet feels when they lose their, their weight, all the people are, I mean, all the clients, all that, that have done this journey say, oh my God, I, I've got my, my puppy back. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I've got my kitten back. Mm. Uh, it's, it's so amazing to see how, uh, how good they feel mm-hmm. when they lose their weight. Right. And to be willing and to, to have that expectation, to, to be open, to try and fail and try and fail. Sometimes we find that bulletproof from the first shot, mm-hmm. but sometimes it takes time. Mm-hmm. And it takes patience because to lose weight in a healthy way, especially for the cats, you are not allowed, people say, the studies say 1% of the body weight per week. Mm-hmm. In in dogs is 1% to 2% of body weight per week. Mm-hmm. I usually tend to be much more restrictive about that. I would say 0.5% of body weight in cats and uh, max 1%. Of body weight in dogs, it's the slower, it slower. yeah, it's better, Slower the better, um, especially in cats because cats are not small dogs and they get a, a lot of problems with fatty liver. Mm. That uh, that can occur in in people as well because their bodies are not they are protein burners; they are not necessarily fat burners, so they uh, they don't metabolize fat efficiently the cats so they have a lot of uh, fat byproducts that accumulate in in their livers and it's like stuck like poison in their livers so that's why slower is better for a cat and uh, cats are really stubborn Animals, (laughs) (laughs) Animals, <laughs> <laughs> to say it mildly, <laughs> they don't have such a, a diverse palate, better said. Mm. So, um, even changing the food from what you are feeding them now towards something else. It might take a long time, especially if they are eating Mac- McDonald's
0: right now. Or people feed. But- I know people feed McDonald's to their dogs. They feed that to their cats too. <laughs> they they feed them to the cats as well. <laughs> I was more preferring yeah. like the the
1: McDonald's from from the. Pet like the pet stores, food you know? c- equivalent of
0: McDonald's. <laughs> yeah,
1: right. Okay, pet, got it. Pet food <laughs> equivalent of McDonald's, you okay. know? Big, Big Macs and fries. Yeah. Um, yeah. And okay. uh, they are like enjoying that a lot. And then you're suddenly feeding them salad. <laughs> like, oh, right. No. Yeah.
0: They're like, <laughs> like, what is happening? Well, so what that actually happening? brings me to the next question because, you know, in as this episode comes out, it's, you know, the week of Thanksgiving in the U.S. And, you know, just with the holidays coming and everything. And I think I'm just guessing that, I mean, I don't know how many people feed their cats off their plate, but feeding dogs off their plate and dogs begging for food and that whole dynamics yes. is a really big issue because dogs can yes. get really annoying, you know, yes. when they don't get what they want. And it really can be like a behavioral issue too, right? It's what you're mm-hmm. feeding them. And then also as the pet owner, you have to be willing to tolerate, it's like having a toddler, like, you know, and, exactly. and not giving them everything they want, because you know, in the long run, it creates more problems. And so I know, you know, we're outside of the scope of this episode for you to be giving people all this behavioral advice. But do you factor behavioral advice in when you're helping these yes. pet owners? Yeah, because of like, course. when the dog is yes. sitting there driving you crazy, yes. and want some turkey off your plate. you know. Yes. <laughs> like, what yeah, you, yeah. You
1: know, you, and you. I usually... Use giggles, you know, to um, uh, incorporate giggles with my pet owners, you know, because otherwise we are not uh, so open to the idea of uh, just feeding them their food. And I don't care what your vet recommends as food; it might even incorporate turkey. I don't care, as long as it as um, as it is recommended by your vet and it's incorporated <laughs> in in their diets, uh, but. I usually say, okay, you have the daily feeding amount of food, whatever the food is, mm-hmm. and let's say that is dry food. Is it doesn't matter if it's dry food or wet food or a combination. Let's say that uh, that you have it on in your kitchen or where whatever or you you have the the feeding bowl for for your dog or for your cat. And every time you want to give them a treat, your hand goes in that uh, closed container, Mm -hmm. let's say, with dry food. And instead of picking things up from your plate, you can give them something else. Mm -hmm. Or it usually takes only a week to take away that
0: learned behavior Mm. of coming at your Well, your, the conditioned uh, response—they've been conditioned exactly. to come. They bug you in this way, and then they're rewarded exactly. with they the food. If yes. you stop giving them that reward, then that deconditions them from that. Exactly it's like our old yep. friend Pavlov, right? Yeah. Exactly. If there right. were dogs, he started on. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, that's so, good to know, though, right? I mean, it's, it's like there's so many parallels, right, with you know yep. parents and toddlers and toddler behavior and and things like that, and people are just like they just want the child to be different. But yeah. you know you have to teach them, and it's the same thing with pets, right? So it might be yeah. more annoying in the short term, but in the long term, yeah. they leave you alone. Like there's so many benefits, right? They're no longer doing that anymore. Um, they're healthier. Yeah, uh, it's just better for everyone.
1: Yeah, and it, it it doesn't have to be something. You don't have to feel as punishment. You know, you have to manage your mind. Right. I'm saying that right. over yeah. and
0: over and yeah. over. Yeah, if we think we're punishing them by feeding them the right amount of food, right? Then we feel yes. like we're mean mommy or whatever over here. Yeah. <laughs> and guess what? They are
1: reading our body language. Yeah. Okay. They the the dogs can read our thoughts. You know, they, they like they... sense our energy, right? They exactly like, pick up exactly. on it. Exactly. Yeah yeah there, there, there are studies, uh, recent studies that show that they can sense our train of thoughts. <laughs> so that's why it's so important to, to, to be aware of how your brain works and how your emotions are created, because if you are feeling sorry for them and you know you projected that, uh, that negative emotion, that is felt by, yeah. by your pet. So bring in some giddiness, bring in some some joy, bring in something else. And you can always, always, always reward them with hugs and kisses. That is great for you as well. It secretes a lot of oxytocin in your body, which is
0: uh, amazing so just the, out a different way to relate to the pet basically exactly right? yeah, yeah yeah it's like so you're you're emo like wanting to fill an emotional need and right now you're doing it by feeding them more food than they need and instead yes. you want to figure out a different way like going out like like uh you know i lately we have been taking our dog to this field where he can go off leash and you know there's i mean it's pretty flat where we live but this has some rolling hills and we were just talking last night about just like the unbridled glee that, yes. you know, I see in him when he gets to just charge around and scamper around and do yes. all, be just the dog that he is. And that makes yep. me so happy for him. Exactly. <laughs>
1: exactly. That's why I took that example. You know, when you see those dogs that are overweight or uh, the, the cats we are yeah. unfortunately not seeing because they are uh, usually inside the houses. But mm-hmm. you feel that joy to see the dog uh, running around and be happy and uh, content. And I usually say to the pet owners, okay, if you have the daily portion for your cat or your dog, the only thing that goes in their mouths comes from that jar. Mm-hmm. They are allowed to breathe and they are allowed to drink water. <laughs> <laughs> and their eyes like popping out of their heads because they are like, you know, what about that? What about that? What about that? What about, uh, yeah. you know, chewing uh, bones or uh, what about treats? What about, you know? Yeah. And in the beginning is actually what is in that, you know, jar. Cleaner is it? Yeah. <laughs> in that container, they are allowed to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> Air never made us <laughs> overweight. <laughs> yeah. And water, fresh water all the time. You know, Mm -hmm. and because that's another important point. We have to have all the family members on board. I usually call in all the family members that are involved in, in feeding the animal. The grandma, grandpa sometimes are present by phone because that's an important conversation. And sometimes, especially with older people, it's hard to break those habits of giving them something from the table mm-hmm. so at least they have something else like put your hand
0: in that jar and give right. them something from that jar mm-hmm. right so it's like we're retraining ourselves too really yes That's, right course. we're in these behavioral patterns and we need to shift everyone needs to needs to adjust
1: exactly yeah and, and to do it with uh with grace, love, and compassion for ourselves. We might feel some negative emotions in the beginning and that's totally okay. And then just reframe the way we think about our way of feeding them Mm -hmm. and to give them a lot of love, a lot of of, uh, attention and uh, to compensate the lack of extra food
0: with extra kisses and hugs. Those are allowed. Right. Right. I love it. So as we wrap up here, there's one thing that I would love for you to share, because when I came on your podcast, you talked about this and it just (laughs) still resonates with me. And so I would love for you to talk about your example about how like a pug isn't trying to be a whippet and a whippet (laughs) is not trying to be a pug and kind of the whole backstory, like that whole story. Would you share that please with my audience? It's so good. Yes. Yeah.
1: I think we as veterinarians, are a little more privileged because we have all of those breeds in our attention, you know? And we have uh, Frenchies and we have Fogs and we har- have uh, Boxers and we have German Shepherds and we have Poodles, Mini Poodles, and all of those shapes and forms of, of dogs, especially. And we have something that is called Body Condition Score, uh, BCS. We can uh, you can Google that and you find uh, a rate from one to nine for different breeds. So we don't use something as DMI in, in humans. We have something that is specific for that body shape. Okay. So you cannot judge uh we from a body shape, uh, body condition score for a pug because those are totally different body shapes, or we can take a Frenchie and the Whippet who might weigh the same, or their ideal weight might be the same or in the same range, but they are looking totally different mm-hmm. as body shapes. And we fail to recognize that in humans. We have different body shapes, and our figures or our the way the skin, the skeleton or the muscles or the fat tissue is distributed on our bodies is not the same for everybody. And we have that ideal, uh, especially for women, uh, ideal body shape that doesn't resonate with, with us. So what we are trying to do, we are sometimes born as pugs in a pug body and we try to diet and exercise ourselves in a
0: whippet body, right? We want to become a whippet. We're like, if I just work yes. hard enough, I'll look exactly. like a whippet. Exactly.
1: <laughs> if, if I work hard enough, if I'm consistent, you know, if, right. I, if I'm disciplined enough, right? If I'm disciplined enough, I will become a whippet, which is bananas, right? <laughs> but it's it, but this is what we do. We we yeah. we fail to recognize uh, that. Uh, we are sometimes born in a different type of, of bodies and we are healthy. We are in our, our body's weight that is natural, healthy for us. And we are not looking, sometimes really fit, you know, but no matter how much you try to exercise or diet or shift your feeding patterns, you won't become a wee pet if you are born as a pug.
0: Right. And it's like, they're, and they're all dogs. Yes. They're still different. And I, yes. for some reason that like resonated so much with me, that <laughs> example of just like, that mm-hmm. is what we're doing. Yes. We think it, we're, you know, all the different breeds think they all can become a whippet if they just work hard enough. And if they yeah. don't, if they can't get there, it's their fault. They just haven't worked hard enough. <laughs>
1: <Exactly>. <laughs> I mean, I Let, hard let's enough. be more consistent and right. restrictive. That, right. that is not working. I have to work out more or to restrict myself even more yeah yeah maybe my nose will grow as well as a <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no it's not, happening.
0: <laughs> it's not happening exactly yes well thank you for sharing yeah. that I just I just love that example <laughs> because it's so ridiculous to us when we think about yes. it in dogs and then we can extrapolate that to the way we think about ourselves in our own bodies too yeah and yes. what's so interesting too is like on top of it it's not like everyone agrees that the whippet should be the way everyone should look no it's like for ten years, you should look like a whippet, and then you should yes. look like whatever, <laughs> yeah. you know, something. Yeah. And then <laughs> suddenly, exactly. And then suddenly a rottweiler comes into the picture, <laughs> right?
1: Because exactly. you has to have muscles or something or whatever. Wow is the new trend
0: of how our I, bodies are supposed to look like, you know. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. It's so fascinating. Yeah. So you yeah. are, well, first of all, tell everybody, especially particular veterinarians, where they can find you, find out more about how you can help them. But then also you have a course coming out where you're going to be talking yes. about emotionally overfeeding pets. So tell us all that information.
1: Yes. So uh, they can find me all over the place on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, online on vetcoachinternational.com. And um, I am um, Vet Coach International on, uh, on Facebook and Instagram as well. And um, the, the course will be available starting um, last week in October. So, uh, so by the time la- this
0: airs, it should be available. Yes. Yeah,
1: Yes, it's available. It's, it's a weight loss course for pet owners and i think it's really beneficial for the vets as well because there is a lot of of um, uh, coaching in the course how to approach this this problem how to communicate better to to have a little bit of light on how how our communication is perceived from the pet owners perspective and how can we change or Improve our communication style sometimes um, to uh, to help the pets lose weight because that is uh, our main goal for for the pets to feel uh, to feel uh, great right. and to have um, a normal life. Yeah, yeah. And you yeah. mostly coach in English, right? Yes, yes, yes. i okay. okay. uh, right now. The vast majority of my clients are from Canada and the United States. Okay, uh, and so, but you can coach yeah. in Romanian or Swedish too. Right? Yes, yes, I've coached uh, in uh, Swedish and and Romanian as well. So yeah.
0: I uh, just, I really, very impressive. I just want
1: to point that out.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I uh, I can coach in three language. okay. Uh, isn't languages. Okay, isn't yes. Swedish
0: one of the hardest languages to learn? I
1: thought. Uh, the medical Swedish it is, because they have so, and especially the veterinarian side, they have so many specific names for um, diseases or for syndromes or for that the lay people don't understand. So you cannot tell them pancreatitis, even if pancreatitis exists as a word for the medical professionals, the lay person will never understand that word. So you have to tell them the which means like inflammation in the (laughs) gland inside the abdomen that secretes saliva. (laughs) 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 Wow. Wow, it's like uh, okay. So yeah, uh, that's it, a lot. It, it's yeah. a challenge. It's a challenge to learn the the medical Swedish, uh, and it's an important part of communicating with the pet owners. Yeah, really, 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 really important part. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, when I moved here, I focused. I think for the first. After three months, I was able to speak with uh, the pet owners in, uh, in Swedish, but for the first, I think, two or three years, I wasn't able to understand anything in the break room. You know, the oh, normal yeah. where people fetish. were just talking. Yeah, yes. Uh, I was not interested. My brain was just focused on retaining medical yeah. terms and uh, communication with the pet owners without yeah. uh, being interested in uh, the normal like conversation. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I caught up in the meantime, but <laughs> yeah. Wow.
0: It, it, it well, was, I just uh, think that's really impressive. That's really, yeah. A big, big challenge. So anyway, yeah. okay, that's an aside. All right, so everybody <laughs> check out Nadina's work. She's obviously incredible. Nadina, thank you so much for being here. For- I love this conversation. <laughs> it's just so good. It's so unique, but I think so many people are going to resonate with it and realize, you know what, this is what I need to do to get help. So thank you so much Yes, for that.
1: yes. Thank you for allowing the pets to be helped.
0: Yeah. Ready to start making progress on your weight loss goals? For lots of free help, go to katrinaubellmd.com and click on free resources.